in Seattle, Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandDonsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 679 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, by, by now, the uh, Super Bowl has already happened, but it hasn't happened for us yet. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Also, we're going to talk to you about the new 65-year-old. There's more of you out there than anyone in any age category. The new 65-year-old. What about that? We'll get to that, though. Let's get to this. I'm always amazed because we, uh, we were talking on episode 678 about could an 80-year-old, for instance, uh, be president? Absolutely. I think we have to be really careful about looking at someone's age and then deciding that they're done, right? Especially when you look at someone like Paul McCartney, uh, who still travels, who still fill, fills arenas, who's still writing music all the time. In fact, I love his relationship with Dave Grohl when you hear those guys on a podcast together because they really, they really sharpen one another, and they come from different eras, but they really... Uh, have great respect and, and, and connection. It's kind of interesting, Ron, because you, you look at a guy like Paul who you just you think is going to be around another 40 years. You just do because the amount of output uh, and the amount of good things that he's putting out there in the world. But you found a really interesting story uh, that maybe is a reason that has propelled him all these years, right? Yeah, so there's uh, uh, it, this all goes back to a podcast. I found this podcast. It's from Malcolm Gladwell's company, um, uh, Pushkin Industries, and it's called A Life in Lyrics. And so what they did, which I think is genius, is there's this Scottish poet who has the, one of the greatest voices I've ever heard. I think it is Paul, Paul Muldeen, something yeah. like that. And so he's uh, like a poet laureate type of guy over in the U.K., and and they said, well, you just go talk to, to Paul McCartney. And they wrote a book together called A Life in Lyrics. And so what Paul did at the time, they weren't thinking about a podcast. He said to Paul, he's like, hey, can I just record our conversations? Because instead of me sitting here taking notes, I just want to have conversations with you about poems. that you, And he, he looks at these as poems, lyrical poems, which has a long tradition in Scotland and Ireland and Wales. And he's like, I just want to talk to you as a lyrical, as a poet, a fellow poet. Let's talk about these. And he has the academic background and the chops to break down poetry. And he's like, can I just record that? So then when I go back and we start making the book, Life and Lyrics, that I can just pull up the tape and, you know, if I want to add a quote or some context around what was happening in your life when you wrote this particular song. And so Paul McCartney's like, of course. So they start doing these interviews, hours and hours of interviews. And, and Paul Muldeen would come in and he'd say, hey, let's talk about the hard day's night. Uh, or let's talk about Eleanor Rigby. And so, and he doesn't read the lyrics or anything. He's just like, Hey, what was, what was happening? What do you remember about Eleanor Rigby? So then he gets just dozens and dozens, maybe even a hundred hours of tape with Paul McCartney. And they write this book that comes out and it did. Okay. Like it didn't sell tremendous, but it did. Okay. Called life and lyrics. And then somehow Malcolm Gladwell hears about this tape. 
He's like, well, let's turn that into a podcast. And so they take the interviews between Paul and Paul, and then they get historical sound. They get the music from the Beatles, uh, music from other musicians, and they make the episode. Each episode's about a different song that Paul McCartney wrote, but it's not. A, it's about the history of the time, the history of the Beatles, the history of Paul. And so the, the second season has come out. So it's on the podcast player of your choice. I think it's called Paul McCartney: A Life and Lyrics. I can't recommend it highly enough. You can binge listen to the entire first season or if you pay i'm doing a commercial for them if you pay a membership you can binge listen to the second season so there are two episodes into the second season and he's talking to paul mccartney about this time they were very young in in the band and it was uh love me do was the song they were talking about and so paul goes back all the way to where he would skip out of school because john lennon was one year older than him so john was out of school a little bit before he was and so he would skip his last class he would go home and then him and John would go out so that they wouldn't get uncovered by Paul's parents. They would go out to his dad's lavender bushes and they and he had a little notebook and he would they would write songs. And so they wanted to write a song like the Everly Brothers. And so they wrote, um, they ended up writing Love Me Do. And he talks about there was a song on the radio that had a harmonica in it. And John had a harmonica. And so John played a little harmonica song, a little thing on the harmonica. So he's writing this. And he's like, then we start to tour. And we're going, we're, we're not tour, but we're like in a band now we're driving around. And one time we had this gig and again, they're teenagers and the rig goes off the road in the ice and they're stuck. It's the middle of night. It's snowing. They're freezing. They're stuck. None of them really know how to work on cars. And he said that one of the guys in the band, he doesn't remember which one, uh, they were all freaking out and they're worried. And he said, well, something's going to happen. And he said, they all started laughing and he goes, that became their mantra. So to relieve the pressure of, um, what was happening with the Beatles, um, they would always look at each other and just say, well, something's going to happen. And so it was a really refreshing thing for him to, to do. And then the second episode really resonated with me and it is about, um, wings, and so he starts, the, the, the interviewer is talking to him about, okay, so the Beatles broke up. What was going on? So he's talking about the Beatles breaking up. Um, what was he going to do? He had this little farm that he bought, not a little farm, a big farm that he bought with Linda. So he's like, him and Linda are up on the farm, just kind of hanging out. And he's like, is there any, and again, the, he, when the Beatles broke up, Paul McCartney was a very young man still. He's like, is there anything I can do that's going to, be better than the Beatles or compete with the Beatles. He's like, what do I do now? And, um, so he's sitting there and he's, and he started, he's thought back and he's like, well, I love music. I still want to do music. And he goes, what do I love about this? He goes, I loved being in a band. And he's like, I, 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 that was the part that I liked. I liked being in a band and all of us, one for all, one, you know, all, all for one and one for all type of thing. And so he's like, I'm going to make a new band. And so the first person he asked was Linda and he acknowledges in this, this piece, he's like, I know Linda is an amateur musician. He goes, I get it, but she's my wife. And he goes, she was a great cheerleader for everybody. She had really good energy. She got the band up. She got the crowd up. And he's like, I, I know she wasn't the best musician. She's, but I wanted Linda in the band. 
And so then he's, then he was like, well, I, I could create a super group cause I'm Paul McCartney. And he goes, and that was all the rage at the time you had cream with ginger breaker and, uh, you know, Eric Clapton. And like, there were all the, you know, the um, one with Steve Winwood, there was a super group, all these super groups were happening in London. He's like, I don't want a super group. He goes, I want a band. that's just a band. And then we're going to have to figure it out. And like, we're a band. So he hires one guy that he knew from that used to play in the Moody Blues. And then the rest of the, a couple of the guys auditioned. And then one guy in Wings was recommended by their roadie. It's like, hey, I know a guy that can play the thing. He's like, bring him in. And so Paul McCartney talks about, he goes, their first couple gigs as Wings, he went to a college dorm, a college, a local college, and it was 50 pence to see Wings. It, it wasn't Wings with Paul McCartney. It just said you were at your student union building at a college in the UK. And it said, tonight at the student union, Wings, 50 pence, which is less, like at that time it would have been like a quarter. And so he said some people showed up for 50 pence. They didn't realize it was Paul McCartney. And he said, we were horrible. He goes, Wings was horrible. And at one point, um, there was a song that Linda was supposed to start. And Paul goes, gives the intro and people are finding out it's Paul and the words getting out and the auditorium starting to, you know, fill up as kids are running over and paying their 50 pence to get in. And he goes, one is a song in three, four. It's like one, two, three, one, two, three. And Linda doesn't play it. And he's like, he looks over at her and he's like, one, two, three, one, two, three. And she doesn't play it again. So he like goes when goes over to the thing, goes over to her keyboard. And Linda says, I forgot. I forgot the song because she had, she'd never performed. She'd, she'd taken pictures of the Beatles and she's a great photographer, but she'd never been a performer. And now this hall is starting to fill up. And so Paul walks around the keyboard and he's like, I'd been through the whole Beatles at this point. He goes, I forgot the song. And he goes, while I was trying to figure, remember the chords, Linda remembered it. And we kicked into the song. And so the thing that resonated to me was he was willing to enter into this thing and he's and just have it be what it is, work at it. He's like, we were terrible for the first half a dozen gigs. Not terrible. We were really bad, um, according to Paul, to, to Beatles standards. And he's like, I'm going to do this thing. And they got to where they were going to do Band on the Run. And Paul rented a studio in, in uh, Lagos, Africa. And two of his band members got a letter from EMI that was like, do not go to Africa. Like it's, there's a outbreak of disease at the high crime rate. And so they called Paul and they're like, we're not going. So Paul went anyways. And it meant that he, on, if you listen to band on the run, he had to play the guitar, the bass, the drums, sing and songwrite. Wow. The drummer didn't come. That's Paul McCartney on drums. He's like, I play, I dinked around on the drums when I was with the, when Ringo was out of the room. So he's like, so he sat down like, and they're great drum parts. So he was just like, this is my band now. And it's not Ginger Baker and Eric Clapton. He goes, I could have called Eric Clapton, but he didn't want to. He wanted to just have a band of mates where they travel together. They work it out. They figure it out. And he's like, this will be the best thing that I'm going to do the best I can and not try to compare it to the Beatles. And then he said, the irony is now I'll meet people that came of age with band on the run and they like it more than they like the Beatles. Mm -hmm. 
He's like, because that was the thing that hit them when they were 12 or 13 years old. And in his mind, it was always second tier that you had the Beatles, then you had Wings, and then you had some of the solo stuff. And so he's like, I need to leave space for myself to say, okay, for some people, Wings is the thing. Band on the Run is the thing. And they they will take, he he goes, I talked to a journalist that prefers Band on the Run over Sgt. Pepper. And he goes, I don't understand that. But for him, that's that's how it goes. It was really remarkable because it just hit me at a stage in my life where it's like, okay, what what is my, do I have a wings in a sense of like, what is my ambition going to be for uh, a chapter? And and what do you what are you going to do? Do you have? And it's okay to not have a wings, but if you want to have a wings, are you going to do that yeah. and have it be something that that becomes its own thing? It, it's it's really, I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah. I love that. Linda's greatest album, Linda Unplugged. Yes. I know it's easy to dump on Linda. Paul wouldn't have done Wings without Linda. Uh, and, and, I think and, it's great. I, I think the fact that, that he has lived long enough now or he, he can tell an honest story like that, I, I think that that's great. Because you know what? There's a lot of people like that that are hiding in bands. And believe me, they're like when you talk to Chris Nosuck, he's as surprised as anyone that he was the bass player. In well, mind. I went to guns and roses. Duff now brings his wife on the stage. She sits in a chair on the stage. Yeah. And if you've heard about Duff in his battles with addiction, he's like, she's my soulmate, man. Like I take her every, we're, we're, we're inseparable. And they, when they are on tour with guns, he gets his own vehicle. They'll drive out to, he's like, we love to go antiquing. We go into small towns where people don't know who the heck I am. I like to interact with people. And he's, so his wife, literally doesn't sit on the side of the stage. She sits on the stage on his lap. And I bet the, some of the guys in guns are like, really dude? He's like, Hey man, if I'm going to tour with guns and roses and be around all this, the temptation and all of the stuff that happens on the road, that's, that's my deal. I think Paul McCartney was that way as well, where it's like Linda McCartney was, was his muse and his soulmate. And in a lot of ways kept him grounded. And, and they had, they had a genuine, I think love affair that lasted till she died. So I, and I was the same way where I had, I was like, oh, Linda. And there used to be an isolated vocal of Linda where she was not very good, but he talks about it. He's like, yep, yeah, she's an amateur. He's like, but, but at one point I was an amateur. He's like, at one point John Lennon was an amateur and Ringo was an amateur. Uh, and it, we didn't become the Beatles until we became the Beatles. Yeah, that's good. All right. More on the other side. Hey, it's Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. And right now, through March 2nd, Les Schwab is doing the Founders Day Sale. It's a great opportunity for you. If you've been sliding around this winter on your tires or you're looking out there going, eh, probably time to get some new tires. Right now, you can save up to $150 when you buy a set of four select tires. So Les Schwab has been a sponsor for the Ron and Don Show for over a decade. And they've been doing the right thing in all of our communities since 1952. I can't tell you the number of times I've gone into a store with a with a flat and they just fix it to me for free. Not because I'm Ron of the Ron and Don, because I am part of the Les Schwab family. So the Founders Day celebration sale going on right now. They've been in our communities for seven years save up to 150 bucks when you get a set of four select tires les schwab has been doing the right thing since 1952 
All right, exciting week here in uh, Ronadon Real Estate. Getting ready to sell some homes in Green Lake, up in Edmonds, Magnolia, and then also we're jumping in the rigs on Saturday, heading down to what I like to call Fed Way. We got a call the other day, and our client said, hey, I hear you guys sell the sound. We're like, that's right. We're going to go see this house. This is a ginormous house. He has a big family. He said, you know what? We need to sell the house. And I said, why are you selling the house? He said, because we are house rich like most people, and sometimes we're a little cash poor. What do you want to do with all the cash from this house? We want to buy another house for cash, and then we want to take this money. We have four kids, and we only have a couple more years with them. We want to travel the world. We are a family of experiences. We don't need big homes because big homes attract a lot of stuff. How about that? I love that, you guys. A family of experiences. I stole that from him. And you know what? That's what I'm doing in 2024 with my son. Because I got him for about four more years. Family of experience. Think about this. Your kids, you see them just about every day. You know by the time they graduate and take off to college or trade school or travel, whatever it is they do, for the rest of their lives, you'll see them for about a year when you accumulate all the days and put them just for another year, right? Family of experience. Sometimes when you're house rich and you're cash poor, maybe it's time to sell, pull equity, pick up the phone, give us a call. Let's do a sit down. Run it on sitdown.com. Sometimes people say, well, I'm just going to refinance. But guess what? You refinance, you pull that cash out. And then now, guess what? Your monthly payment just went way up. Maybe you don't want to do that. Run it on sitdown.com because we sell the sound and we are a family of experiences around here. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. By the time you, you hear this, uh, the Super Bowl has been won. I'm going to Disneyland. Yeah. Uh, who won the Super Bowl and, and, and why? Let's, let's see how you do. Oh, for me? Yeah. I'm going to say it was uh, the Chefs 28-24. Yeah. That's my, uh, that's my, what do you got? I say that Paris, uh, not Paris. Uh, I say that Taylor Swift. Hang on, Char- Charlie's car. I say that Taylor Swift makes it. Well, I'm gonna hit. Let's just start that segment over. Why? All right, I had to run and uh, grab Charlie in the other room. I I say that Taylor Swift does make the Super Bowl, uh, and my prop bet is she's gonna wear. Uh, matching red lipstick with her uh, Travis Kelsey new jacket that we haven't seen yet. So she uh, had three shows that were already booked in Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, and there's all kinds of uh, logistical people that are like, if she does a three-hour set and they start at this time, then you got to drive to the airport and you're flying to Vegas. It's it's possible that she gets a you know a direct flight. Uh, from and I don't her private plane from Tokyo back to Vegas in time. I, I think she's going to be at the Super Bowl as well. Have, have you been uh, seduced by the Kelsey Swift story and even Jason Kelsey? I know uh, we were talking earlier in the city or the earlier in the season. You're like I'm I'm kind of sick of the Kelsey brothers. Um, are you? Have you been seduced by the the Kelseys much this year? Um, hey, I think everything they're doing is great. And I think they're, I've listened to some of their podcasts. They work really hard at it. You can tell when guys work hard at it. You can tell when they care. They work hard at it and they care. And you think about what they've been able to accomplish as brothers, as uh, as young men. You think about all the pressure that is on them. And specifically, 
the, excuse me, the, the, the world of, of Taylor Swift uh, brings a whole different type of pressure, right? And so if you're him, your exit strategy is hard because you know that she's already writing songs about you. <laughs> well, she's dropping a new album. We heard that at the Grammys. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see what the songs are about and are some of the songs about him. Do but, you think that... But I, think it's, I, think, I think it's lovely. I, I, I think I like that Andy Reid has known her since she was a little girl. I like that it's exposing more people uh, to the, the game of football. Uh, and especially younger people. Um, yeah, so I find it, I, I, I think, I think it's a nice story and I, I hope the story continues. How long do you think she's been a government psyop operative? It's Ron and Don here with Mitch Weeks. You know him better as Mitch.loans. Mitch, you have a really cool new product for investors. I think it's kind of the first I've ever heard of it. Yeah, so we have a great new investor cash flow program. And what this is, is we take the house you are buying and we inspect it, not you, the borrower. And so what we do is we look at the house and we say, will it cash flow? If you put 20% down, will it make more money than it's going to cost you to keep paying off your mortgage? And if it does, it's yours. It doesn't matter what you make on your own. It doesn't matter all these other things that we usually have to document. They don't matter. They're gone. It's just, does this house make sense? And if it does, you can buy it. All right. So you can go up to four doors, up to four units on this. And uh, Don and I have never heard of a product like this. It's pretty exciting if you've been wanting to get into the investment game. So go to Mitch.loans right now. Set up a time to talk to Mitch. See if you qualify for this new program. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, let's sit down. Ronadonsitdown.com, and we can sit down uh, today. 65, turning 65. I have some friends that are ahead of me uh, that are heading towards 65. It's really interesting to, to watch them at 65 versus my grandparents at 65. When my grandparents were turning 65, you're really making kind of those final decisions for how your life is going to look for kind of the last chapter. At least that's, that was my purview, uh, as I was looking at it as a young 12 or 13 year old. And then as a, as an older teenager, and then my grandfather passed, I think when I was 23, uh, my grandmother back in 2008. So what, what, what's interesting, Ron, is they're saying there are more people this year that are turning 65, 4.1 million Americans. This surge will continue until 2027. And they say that 65-year-olds today are healthier and wealthier than their parents were. And they're looking at this as a transition to what's the next big thing versus I think I'm going to start winding my life down here. We, we see this sometimes in, in couples in our business where you can see uh, two people that have been together for decades. And now all of a sudden, as they're getting older, um, sometimes you can see that they're not on the same page, that, that maybe, maybe one of the partners sees this as this is the new chapter and let's go and I'm going to live 40 more years. And, and, and the other partner sometimes is... They saw their parents and their grandparents do it, and they're 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 wanting to wind down. So yeah, I think the the, the 
concept that I learned about this year that I had never heard the word before and think about is lifespan versus health span. And so I, I I'd never heard anyone talk about health span. And again, I think I referenced him a couple episodes ago, Dr. Peter Atia. So he's like, imagine you have one of those, your standard line graph. Uh, and on the one line, you know, the, the axis along the bottom is your age. And then the axis that goes up and down is your health. And so he's like lifespan, um, had a graph, a line that would start at the left. And it's sort of like you're, you're good health, good health, good health. And then it starts to decline. And then at the end, your health really declines and you spend this long tail, maybe the last 10 years of your life, 15 years of your life with very low health, but there are people that you're still being kept alive. All right. And we've probably all known this type of person. It's someone that maybe you're in assisted living, you're on all kinds of meds, um, you're carrying around your oxygen tank, maybe you have to use a wheelchair, uh, and you can stay in that state for many, many years. And that's lifespan. He's like, if you think about health span, he's like, what can we do to have your health stay high uh, until the very, very end? So your line, instead of that line, just dropping and dropping and dropping and then staying low for a long time, keep the, the health span line as long as you can. And then it drops really rapidly at the end. He's like, that would be the optimum if we can figure that out of like to maximize your health, not just, he's like the number of years is irrelevant if the last, you know, 10 to 20% of them, you have no health. So he's like, he likes to introduce this thing, the concept of health span. And so I've really been trying to lean into that. I've not been doing a very good job of it necessarily uh, as good as I want to do. But having that concept, you know, seep into my my brain and into my body to go, okay, it's about your health span and not necessarily just your lifespan. Yeah. So for some people they mentioned in this article that 20% of those that are 65 and older right now are working 20, 20% of those that are 65 in this country. I thought it would have been more. They, they, and, they, and they say with our parents and grandparents, it would have been around 10%. And then they wanted to know, why are you working and, and some of them continue to work just because it, it gives them purpose. And some people live to work and some people work to live, right? So um, I think that it, it, it's kind of interesting because for our grandparents and even my parents who had some pensions, they say now when you're 65, your wealth has been accelerated if you're a homeowner in certain parts of the country, is accelerated by your 401k, especially if you were somewhere where it matched. But were you surprised that they said the average 65-year-old net worth is between $289,000 and $430,000 a year? $410,000. Uh, Did that surprise you? Yeah, I thought I, I thought it would have been lower. Really? Yeah, I thought it would have been lower because I know I know a lot of people that haven't saved and 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 a lot of people that don't own real estate. Hmm. And so sometimes just through the course of buying a home when you're younger, even if you stumble through life a little bit, uh, if you have that your 401k and your Social Security, you can you can you can have a pretty good retirement. It's just for those people out there that are totally dependent on Social Security. Uh, that's rough when you're 65 and you have to go back to work and sell $18 McDonald's. Yes, Big Macs. that is true. <laughs> that, that was surprising on the, uh, the, this article, but so we're going to continue at this pace. 
um, of over 4 million people per year through 2027. And then that's the baby boom uh, generation. And then we're going to, it'll decline. They're saying after that, but so the, the stress and the pressure that's going to put on our economy and on healthcare, if you were a kid coming out of college right now and you wanted to get into the elder care business, you could have a very lucrative career. I know that a lot of young people that that is not appetizing to them. It was interesting when I was down visiting my folks in Florida, there's a lot of people, most of them are, are immigrants that get right into healthcare out of college. A lot of Latinos that come, a lot yep. of people from India, a lot of people, uh, from, Africa. A lot of people from Africa, yep. and they make very good money, uh, but they are, you do not see a lot of American young people are like, I want to get into the healthcare biz. Yeah. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, maybe a buyer playbook or a seller's playbook, they can just reach out. Right? Yeah, you can email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or just go to the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, thanks for hitting subscribe. Thanks for giving us great ratings and reviews. Thanks for referring clients to us. We really do appreciate that. And don't forget, we sell the sound about coming up Thursday. On the Thursday edition of the Ron and Don Show, we have a great home in our spotlight. We can't wait to tell you about. All right. Yeah. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show all night on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron Don Radio Network. Only.